Coming to you live from the Venetian Hotel in Las Vegas and Money 2020, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. If you're looking to grow your digital banking business, check out Lemonade LXP, the digital growth platform for financial institutions and fintechs. Lemonade LXP has both ingredients you need to drive digital growth, a learning experience platform that uses daily micro-learning to give staff the knowledge and confidence they need to promote and support your digital capabilities, and a digital adoption platform that supports your digital capabilities with technology walkthroughs that you can author in just minutes. So if you're rolling out new technology, merging with or acquiring another FI, or just looking to drive digital banking growth, you gotta drink the lemonade. For more information, check out Lemonade LXP at www.lemonadelxp.com. That was some very abbreviated walk-up music for me. So that was... Uh, anyway, right, okay, on to the next session. thought that was fascinating. Uh, obviously, thank you to PerformLine for the last session. Next, we have Tax 101. We have Chris Roses from Bumble and the infamous Lou Cardoza of Talking Biz News and Bankadelic. Please come on up. Thank you very much. Hello, hello, hello. How is everybody? Having a good convention so far? I hope. I know I'm having a really good one. My name, again, is Lou Carloso. I am the editor and publisher of Talking Biz News, which follows the business media. If you like, I encourage you to subscribe. It's free. Talkingbiznews.com. And I'm also the creator and host of the Bankadelic podcast. And we are one of the podcasters here at Money 2020. We've taped about eight episodes so far and going straight. We've been in the Money Pop booth once. We'll be back there again tomorrow. And for anybody that's interested, I'll be doing a presentation on the black box stage about how to penetrate the noise floor and get media attention. And I'm still learning that after three decades in the biz, but I'm going to try to pass on the best of what I have. And speaking of the best of what we have today, we have Chris Rosas with us. Chris is the vice president of tax and treasury at Bumble, which is based in Austin, Texas. He has experience in the tax field going back more than 20 years in the tech space for more than 10 and with Bumble closing in on three years. And as this is a Q&Q session, I'm going to hand it over to the man for the first question. Uh, thanks, Lou. Uh, just a quick question. How many of you have heard of Bumble? Anyone familiar with it? Okay. So uh, online dating app. Um, it's unique in that women make the first move. 
so it's women-led. Um, men can sign up, but they can't engage with women until the woman um, decides to engage with them. Uh, we, were, we went public in February of uh, 2021, so relatively new public company. Uh, we have a surprisingly large footprint uh, internationally. So when you think about tax and cross-border, the company was actually founded in the UK and under a, with a different brand and then began in the US in earnest in 2014. So we have probably 70 to 80% of our people that sell outside the US. We have subsidiaries in various countries. And so cross-border payments are impactful from not only an intercompany perspective, but we have customers everywhere as well. So we have customers paying us from various countries, different currencies. Um, so tax can be a very complicated arena, particularly when you're operating in a cross-border context and trying to figure out, okay, I thought I was going to receive $100, I'm only receiving $80. What happened in, the inter in between those two? Now, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday when we were hanging out, and I certainly do not feel this way, but I know that quite a few people who don't understand things at your level of expertise do cross border. So what, right? But there is some fascinating disconnect between what was legacy and what's going on in the digital world. I'd love it if you could fill us in for that. Sure. I've been in the software services or online services space since 2010. And for the past, I guess, well, I guess from 2010 to about 2015, 2016, you really had a lot of tax authorities around the world grappling with how to tax online services. Your typical business model of having a people in country or having an office or even just having some level of assets wasn't necessary. I mean, think about all the apps you have on your phone. You don't need to have boots on the ground in order to launch your product in a new country. So the, the countries, and I think one of the things about cross-border is a lot of people think of a U.S. company operating in other countries and how does that impact me, but there's a lot of foreign companies or non-U.S. companies that are operating in the U.S. And you layer on the state tax laws, which those are borders as well, and those are different jurisdictions, and having to navigate the complexity um, is rough for a business. But from a tax authority's point of view, they're trying to figure out how they take legacy tax laws that were all figured around bricks and mortars, around people, around physical presence, and how do they create that taxing nexus in order to uh, make sure that companies aren't doing business in their region and not paying their share. And so you've had a lot of countries taking different approaches to this. You have revenue-based taxes, where they really just look at, did you generate a dollar from a customer in my country or in my state? And it started off with a different thresholds, number of transactions, number of sales volume. And sometimes that level of sales volume is one unit of currency, you know, take your pick, dollars, pounds, whatever. Um, and so they're changing the rules, and you also have a lot of countries that don't like it, particularly the U.S., because a lot of our companies are tech companies, are headquartered here, and they're doing business in, in various places. And so you see a lot of activity in the space of trying to create that tax nexus in order to have the, the revenue-based tax, the digital service tax. That's something that's out there. And the, the funny thing about, or the crazy thing about digital services is that everybody defines a digital service differently. Ultimately, they want to go after the, the FANG companies, you know, Facebook, um, Alphabet, those companies that are doing online services, but they make it so broad, they capture companies like Bumble and other companies of that nature. And then you also have uh, VAT, GST, 
on sales tax. So you're, the tax you're applying to consumers in every transaction, and those rules are all different between countries and states. Uh, and then lastly, the one that I think doesn't get enough attention, and it hasn't really been in, in talked about too much, is withholding taxes. So every time you make a payment, whether or not you have to withhold that tax to a company or to a vendor or a recipient who is not in your country. That's great. I seem to gather from this, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding is obviously limited compared to yours, but that there may be three factors at play. One is that this is low-hanging fruit for governments potentially. Two, it's offering their businesses the home field advantage. And three, they may be depending on, or at least cognizant of the fact that their tax laws are going to be unfamiliar to people who aren't within their, those borders. Illuminate if you can. Um, well, I, I, low-hanging fruit, I think, is a little bit interesting because they're trying to make their laws to where they can get money easier. And that's where I think withholding taxes are interesting because it's getting that dollar before it leaves our country. But in it, you know, from a, just a broader stepping back and a policy perspective, you have countries that are trying to make rules that are more punitive toward non-local companies and give incentives to companies that are local. So navigating that balance for those countries because they don't want companies to leave because their tax laws are too punitive. But, so they want to give like most favored nation status you know, to the companies that are based in their locality. But at the same time, they can't lose tax revenue. That's how they fund their government. That's how they fund the various social services and things that they have depending on the country. So that's why I think you have this interesting dance being done between other all the different countries, because then we're also friendly. We have tax treaties. We can't have double taxation, which is why you have tough, even like, not just how do you create the taxing nexus, but how do you do it in a way that you don't run afoul of tax treaties that are in place? Now, I seem to recall when we were chatting a bit earlier that this is not just between nations. It can be between states as well. Yeah. I mean, anytime you have a taxing jurisdiction, you're thinking about, okay, where does the tax apply and how does that state fund or that country fund its government? This is their revenue source. Tax is their revenue. And they're finding, trying to find ways to make sure they don't lose the revenue that they perceive as theirs. Now, the key, I would think, to so much of this, and it's a theme that's been stressed throughout the conference, in addition to AI, is communication. The idea that companies that just sort of try to figure it out on their own without talking to taxing authorities or maybe government representatives are going to have a harder time. But if you reach out and make that effort to communicate, it can really make things go smoother. Yeah, I mean, communication and collaboration are the key to making sure you navigate these challenges. Not every company is going to be big enough to have an ta in-house tax department. They're going to have an outsourced function, which does create its own challenges because those outsourced providers are not really involved in the business. And that's where I think other finance professionals, like treasury folks, they see the cash coming and they see it going out. If they're expecting a certain amount, they're not getting it, they need to figure out who they need to talk to, talk to somebody who's connected with tax to see, okay, is this a tax issue? You have payment processors that you use that you, you have, you're relying on some of the data they give you to understand why there are discrepancies. Um, you also have going to new markets. Like if you're going to launch an app and you're going to launch it in a new market that you're not familiar with, then there could be taxes that apply that you aren't aware of. And all of a sudden, you expect it to generate X amount of, of cash from launching in that jurisdiction. And all of a sudden, you're 20 or 30% less, and you have to figure out why. 
Um, even right. in the, I'll give you an example in the U.S. Like it can be extremely punitive if you are going and you're engaging with vendors in new countries, but you're not aware with how the U.S. has their withholding tax laws. I had a company I worked for early in my career where we were engaging with musical acts all across in, in various uh, venues across the country. Um, I personally had not really heard of Diana Krall, and I didn't know she was Canadian. But the IRS came in and said we had to withhold 30% on every payment that went to her for her act. And that's because there are some very specific rules. The IRS viewed it as low-hanging fruit because nobody was following them. And we had to go battle that out. And it was a fairly sizable chunk. I'm so glad you mentioned that because you mentioned a previous company. Now at your current company, Bumble, you're obviously leading the charge to make sure it's done. It's done right. It's done professionally. If you can, take us under the hood a little bit and talk about some of the things that you're doing to make sure you're totally up to speed. Um, I think Bumble's a, an interesting place because it grew so quickly. We started in 2014, and we're, we're on track to hit a billion in revenue. That's a pretty big growth over time. And when you have a company that's small and, and growing quickly, they, they tend to, I won't say take shortcuts, but they don't always invest in the back end. They're all more focused on the customer and the experience the customer has and what they needed to go to market and really drive, the, drive user acquisition revenue, customer sales, things of that nature. Um, but certain things were, yeah, I mentioned that we were UK based. And so like a good example is our billing engine was really geared around how you apply VAT or GST and not sales tax. And one of the biggest differences is that when you price to international customers, it's price inclusive with VAT, it's tax inclusive. You can't do that in the States because, well, every state has a different rate. Mm -hmm. So you, you have to add it on top. And so we had to reconfigure our billing logic in order to tax correctly. Um, and also as we go into new markets, we have to figure out, okay, is our pricing model right? Particularly because we, every country has a different VAT rate and a lot of times they will go in and they'll assume a certain rate. So we have to actively work with the business as, we, as we're growing, entering new markets, acquiring new apps to make sure that all of that works while, and we're still in compliance. So I mean, that's one thing you always have to keep an eye on is new markets and then acquisitions. Because anytime you're acquiring companies, you really don't know what their, how their systems are built and how they configured them to go to market. You talked about a balancing act earlier. That sounds like a big balancing act. And as much as finance is changing in real time, all of that is changing in real time, I would think. And speaking of balancing acts, I think it is time for me to see how good my balance is. I'm going to get all the exercise I've gotten at the conference so far. Oh. Behold, we have the catch box. What is this you say, aside from a very cute looking cube? It is your opportunity, if you have a question, to ask it, and then what I'm going to try to do with my limited but hopefully competent football tossing ability is to toss this in your direction. You'll see a little antenna on the top with a black foam circle. You speak into that and you ask your question. And it's fun. We need some fun at Money 2020. Who has a question? Okay, ready? We've got two of you back there. We'll see in who fact, catches you it. Can, you can toss it back afterwards. Okay, here we go. Is this good? All right. Lolo, thank you. Um, what were some of the hardest countries to get compliant with when it came to sales um, and VAT and GST tax? 
could, could you repeat that? Um, what were some of the hardest countries to get compliant with when it came to sales and um, VAT tax? One of the biggest challenges was making sure we had the right data to identify a customer's location. With an app, you could have, you can look at various data points. You can look at where their credit card address they sign up with. You can look at what location they have in their profile when they're signing up. You can look at where they, you can actually look at, okay, where did they access this from? Various different pieces of data, and you have to figure out which one is most consistent. And also, that location can change over time. So we had to really work closely with um, the product team and the billing team to figure out, okay, what is our best and most reliable location at any given point? Because we're going to have to defend that to tax authorities when they come and audit us. Um, but related to that, it was, okay, now that we understand, we decide a location, we have to get the system to tax with the rates. And um, some of you have probably heard of things like Vertex or other types of tax engines that can do it for you automatically, but that w- given that we have a homegrown billing system, that has, that has to be a bespoke connector. We can't automatically do something out of the box and connect easily. And so that's another challenge. We still haven't figured out how to, how to resolve. But uh, the data thing, I always come back to that. That's like, that's like challenge number one. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Chris. Nee over at uh, eBanks here. You mentioned you guys grew incredibly uh, from 2014 till now, right? So as you look at you guys approaching a billion dollars in, in revenue, uh, what are some of the things that are keeping you up for 2024 in terms of expansion plans, uh, countries that maybe you, know, you, you, you imagine you have some challenges expanding into to grab new uh, market share? Um, <clears throat> yeah, we are, we are looking at new, at new jurisdictions. Um, and trying to find those that were a good fit for our mission and purpose. Um, I think that's one of the um, challenges we've had today. It's not every country is as progressive, with, and they don't really support always in, in the way that other countries have with women making the first move. Um, that's the first thing, is we have to find like, the, where do we have alignment and where do we have buy-in to our mission. The second thing is, um, I think, the classic question of buy versus build. Like, Do we want to go and create the Bumble brand within that market? Or do we want to find a, an app that's already there, that already has some sense of the market, and then we can go and just do an acquisition, leverage their brand, put some of the Bumble technology and, and back end behind it? Because one of the unique things about our app, or one of the things that we really strive for, is on the user experience, that people feel safe using the app. They want it to be a good, kind, safe experience, and a lot of dating apps, somehow, they don't have that functionality built in is like priority number one, and that is our first priority. And so as we're going and looking toward 2024, we're taking that into account. And we're trying to do, we're in budget season right now, I think like any other calendar taxpayer is, or a calendar, uh, calendar year person, or budget, whatever your budget cadence is. And so we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we do that? How do we think about that decision and how do we allocate dollars to how that expansion is going to work? Um, but on that same time, there's also a lot of expansion within the markets that, we've, that we're already in where we really haven't um, progressively want to with user acquisition. So it's going to be a balance of, okay, where do we see the best use of dollars and how we want to allocate those? Let's go to those new markets. But that's a challenge for me because it's not easy to find out, okay, hey, now we're in Japan, go figure out taxes. Like, we need to have some foresight in advance so that we really understand that, I mean, I've seen this before where taxes are also part of the user experience. If you're thinking that this is $9.99, but all of a sudden now it's, Eleven dollars because you have to add sales taxes. Like, changes how people think about it. Um, so, just making sure that we're being deliberate on our side, knowing what we're going to do, how we're going to go to market, and then what I need to do to prepare from a tax perspective. 
Looks like we have time for about one more question. I know you can toss it and probably toss it better than I do. Does anybody have a question? Great questions. Thank you. You can toss it back to me if you want. Got it? I love to play catch. All right, let's see. Nothing but net. So I have one final question. We have just a little bit of time, but I would love to know because I'm asking a lot of people this and it's helping me to navigate the convention floor. Anything that you've seen or heard so far that's been fascinating to you or that uh, has compelled you to want to learn more? Um, that's a great question. Um, I've just been really enjoying learning about all the different things that are happening in the space. I tend to get tunnel vision in my job and really thinking about, so the Bumble, Bumble platform really majority goes, majority of our revenue goes through at the App Store or Google Play. But as I'm looking forward to the future, and I think anyone familiar with the Epic Games lawsuit where they're trying to open up the App Store to different payment methods, I'm trying to understand what happens if that lawsuit goes through, it prevails. That means we have to start thinking about how we're going to allow those customers to be billed differently. And I'm just trying to soak in everything I can of how other people are doing it, what type of options are available that are gonna have the least amount of friction and the best customer experience we can deliver. Outstanding. Chris, thank you so much for being up on the stage here today. Thanks, Lou. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. Have a great time on the floor today. Thank you. You're listening to Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at NMD Plus, based in London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas. If you like what you've heard here, be sure to check out NMD Plus's financial technology podcast, Dave and Darm Demystify, with hosts Dave Wallace and Darmesh Mystery. Bankadelic, sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Have you thought about how you'll gain the upper hand in your search for stellar talent? Banker Hire leverages a niche industry with uncommon insight. They're committed to finding you qualified commercial and community banking, lending, compliance, HR, retail, and wealth talent. Banker Hire prides itself on listening and solving problems. Their approach is 100% hands-on and heads-up, giving you what you need to make smart, actionable decisions. For more information, visit BankerHire.com. With more than 1.2 million page views annually, Talking Biz News is the go-to source for happenings in business journalism. Whether you're a PR professional, a business journalist, or someone just breaking into the field, TBN is a source that you cannot do without. Whether you're following the Washington Post, New York Times, local media outlets, or some feisty news startup, Talking Biz News has you covered. Job openings are also listed and updated every day on the TBN website. Be sure to sign up for your free subscription to the TBN newsletter at Talking Biz News. That's 
talkingbiznews.com. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Ken Montone. Our business consigliere, the one and only Rob Gaynor. Dude, I totally got into the show. Thanks as always to the William Mills Agency for their generous support. Thanks also to Banker Hire, Lemonade LXP, and Talking Biz News, a division of Vested LLC. I'm Lou Carloso. You can catch me on LinkedIn and someday on my Vaudeville YouTube channel. Ring a ding ding ding. Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of NMD Plus, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.